Somebody told me today, like, ooh, you're feisty today. You're feisty today. I'm not feisty. I'm feisty every day. I don't know. But maybe there is something uh, stirring today. So we'll, we'll see what today brings. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back. Those of you that have been hanging out with us, welcome back. For those of you that this is your first time, uh, welcome home. Welcome home. Um, this is your home. This is your home now. So kick your shoes off. Uh, you know, get yourself something to drink. Hang out for a while. Uh, I'm sure we can find some chips if you need a snack. Um, you can raid the communion crackers if you're really that hungry. Uh, I, I don't know. It's probably someone right now really offended that I said that, right? It's like, how dare they? He's going to eat the communion crackers? That's sacrilegious. Told you I'm feisty today. Uh, think of it as if we're family, I'm your crazy cousin Eddie. All right? That's about right. That's about right. We're all just a bunch of misfits here. You're going to hear that um, today. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been uh, in this, uh, this teaching series uh, called Made for More. It's, it's just simply saying that how every single one of us, we're made for more, that none of us have arrived, that none of us have plateaued, that this is not as good as it gets. Like there is something more that, it, that God has in store for every single one of us, right? And, and so week one, we were like, hey, uh, to, to step into your more, uh, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. Uh, week two, we said, uh, all right, to, we got to be strong and courageous and, and to step into your more. We're going to have to take a step even in the face of uncertainty and fear. And today I just want to offer humbly uh, what I actually think is at the heart of our more for every single person. And, and I know that may be presumptuous, but hang with me because our, our more, I believe, will always be connected to us becoming more like the person that God created us to be i.e. in the image of God, in the likeness of Christ. And so as long as we are on this side of heaven, that we are in a perpetual state of becoming more like Jesus. And at the heart of Jesus and all that he was and all of his teachings was what? It's not a trick question, Lou, Okay. Lou's in the front row. Never sit in the front row. You're in the splash zone, all right? That means I call you out. You need to have answers ready, even if they're wrong, all right? So like, like at the heart of Jesus's teachings was what? When he was backed into a corner and he said, hey, what was the greatest thing? What's the most important thing? Jesus responded with love. Yes, love. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is at the core of of the more that we have been invited into. A radical love that can redefine any reality and restore any reputation. The story that we're gonna talk about today in Joshua 2 is about, is about a, a woman who, who has lived a life that she has a reputation that may need to be restored. It's a woman named Rahab. And we, and we find this story in the book of Joshua. It's in the Old Testament. And, and, and in Joshua 2, chapter 2, we find this, this person, Joshua, who's just been appointed as the new leader of God's people. And he's about to cross the Jordan River. We talked about that last week, accidentally, on purpose. 
And Joshua is about to lead his people into what God has promised them. We'll talk about that next week. But before he does that, we find this story of Rahab. This is Joshua 2, verse 1, says this. Then Joshua, the leader of God's people, he secretly sent out two spies. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. That was the city that they were about to seize. And so the two spies, they, they set out and came to the house of a prostitute. woo Earmuffs. For anybody who ever saw that movie that I won't name that is not Jesus-friendly, um, but I've never watched it. So earmuffs. Uh, so they came to a house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there that night. Why did they stay there? I don't know. <laughs> and anybody who says they do know, no, they're just making it up at best, right? There's conjecture. There's, there's uh, you know, well, there was God's will that they stayed there, right? Or it's because she lived in, in a house that was in the wall of Jericho. And so it was, it, it was, a, it was a, a way to, to go in between Jericho. It's like, okay, sure, you're making that up, but that's fine. It, nobody knows exactly why they stayed there. Why did two men go stay at the house of a prostitute that night? I don't know. Maybe there wasn't any rooms available on Airbnb. I don't know. Um, I don't want to assume anything either, so let's not assume. We're just told that they stayed there. Verse 2 says that someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. And so the king of Jericho sent out orders to Rahab, which is like, how did he know that if men were sent to the city, that one of the places they would go is the house of the prostitute? I don't know this, but the king did. And so the king sent Jericho, you know, sent these, these spies or the, his, his men to, to Rahab's house. And he sent this message. He said, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Verse 4 says that in the midst of this, that Rahab had hidden the two men. So if I can go here for a minute. I think if there's one thing that Rahab's profession would have taught her, it was discretion. I think that's fair, right, Alan? You know, discretion, right? Like, so she may not have lived the most holy life, right? But she knew how to hide men. But just, just understand, profession, right? She knew, and, and so, and I'm sharing this because I want somebody to hear this, that God will use everything that you have, everything that maybe you're not proud of. He will use everything for him, even the things that you're not proud of. If you offer it to him, he will even use the things you try to hide. So Rahab hid the men. Verse four says, but she replied, to the representatives of the king of Jericho, she said, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they came from. She's lying. <laughs> they left the town at dusk and, and as the gates were about to close, and I don't know where they went, it, it, but if you hurry, if you leave my house right now, if you leave, if you can probably catch up to them, right? Eh, she's lying. The Bible says she's lying. That's how I know, right? The Bible says, actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them underneath some bundles of flax. You know, like, like so, so, so we're all on the same page. 
We've got a lying prostitute that God is using to fulfill his purpose and demonstrate his glory on the earth. Don't tell me that he can't use you with all of your junk, okay? Okay? And don't you tell somebody that they can't be used because of their junk. That's how they said I was feisty today. I don't know. Mama, I don't know, okay? They, I'll, I'll try to be good. Kelly, I got Kelly. I got like a, a whole army of people around me. They're going to try to keep me good today. Hmm. No, I don't want to do that. So, um, so the king's men, they actually bought the lie. All right. And so they do. They, they buy the lie. They chase after the spies, you know. They go off looking for them. And, and verse 8 says that before the spies actually went to sleep that night, you know, they're hiding up on the roof. Before they went to sleep, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with them. And, and she says, look, I know the Lord has given you this land, Jericho. And she says, all of us in Jericho, we're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. Mind you, that was four decades ago, and they're still talking about it. These people in Jericho have been living in fear for 40 years in fear of the Israelites. She continues, she says, we know what you did to Shion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan, whose people you completely destroyed. And no wonder, she says, that our hearts have melted in fear. Just take this in. She's talking about the people of Jericho, the same city that the Israelites were afraid of, the same people that they were afraid of, afraid to attack for 40 years. And because of that fear, the people of Jericho then were discouraged. And because they were discouraged, they were disobedient. And because they were disobedient, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. What they were running from was actually afraid of them. See, sometimes the thing that you're afraid of is something that God has already dealt with. See, it's no wonder then, right? It's no wonder that God pulls Joshua aside and he pulls him aside and he tells them, hey, before this next season of leadership starts, Joshua, I need you to hear one thing. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't make the same mistakes. Don't be discouraged. They already dealt with them. You are not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. The battle is already won. Listen, somebody like whatever it is that you're walking through right now, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't back down because the thing that you're afraid of is something that God has already dealt with. Rahab says no one has the courage to fight after hearing all that the Israelites and what your God has done. And then she makes this bold statement. She says, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens and the earth below. Rahab was a Canaanite woman, but like she was not, and she, she had a certain profession and she was not 
a, a, a follower of Yahweh, the one true God, but she saw God for who he was. She didn't have her theology right, but she was able to see God for who he was. And with that, she took a huge step of faith. Even though she was a woman who had a reputation. But what I love is that she was also telling the nation of Israel, hey, you know, you've got a reputation too. <laughs> Turn to the person like near you and say, you've got a reputation. Some of y'all like that too much. Yeah, you do. You know you do. I know you do, Monica. We all got a reputation. Every single person. Everybody's got a reputation. I've got a reputation. You've got a reputation. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good, right? Like how, but, but how many people know that not everything people call you or say about you is something that you need to respond to? Not every email deserves a response. <laughs> Ooh, that's another sermon. I don't know. We, we, have a, we have a serious epidemic right now that is crippling a generation. It's anxiety. And so much of that anxiety, which is another word for fear, when you get down to the root, so much of that anxiety that so many of us struggle with is rooted in worrying about what other people think and what other people are saying and what other people are thinking or that we think they're thinking about us. I want you to join me in this journey of growth. I want you to worry less about your reputation and more about God's reputation. See, he has a reputation too, right? Like, like, like he's got a reputation too, right? Like God has a reputation of making dead things come back to life. He's got a reputation of taking what the enemy intended for evil and using it for good. God has a reputation for empowering the powerless and qualifying the unqualified. God's reputation is what makes us more, calls us into more, invites us, and allows us to be and do more, not our reputation, no matter how good we think it is. God has been teaching me. This is just for me. He's been teaching me to, to care less about what you think and, and care more about what he thinks. He, he's been pulling me aside, kind of bringing me into his gym, if you will, and pointing out some areas of growth, some muscles that I need to work on. And he's been getting next to me and saying, like, hey, like, like why, why don't you worry about protecting your character and integrity and, and I'll, I'll let me protect your, your reputation. 
We've all got a reputation. I wonder what is the gap between your reality and your reputation? Right? What is the gap between your reality and your reputation? And as followers of Jesus, there shouldn't be a gap. <laughs> right? We're called to be one, for no duplicity, right? We're called to, to, there shouldn't be, like, we're not meant to be divisive. We're not meant to have multiple versions of ourselves. We're called to be one, to, to follow the one, so that we may act as one, to chase after the one. Right? But to do that, we would have to stop having so many different versions of ourselves. And see, we all have different versions of ourselves. And with every version of yourself, every version has a reputation. You don't have just one reputation. Do you have one reputation when you're at church and another one when you're at the bar? I don't care that you go to the bar. I'll go to the bar with you. Like, that's not what this message is all about. Uh-uh, not at all. Don't twist that. I'm saying you should be the same person regardless of where you are. Do you have one reputation when you're at the office and another one while you're at home? Are you the same person inside and out regardless of where your location services says you are on your phone? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know how like on the smartphones they got that location services that you can toggle on or off, right? You know, it's, it's so like this, the satellites in the sky and Big Brother can like tell you like exactly where you are within like a two foot accuracy, right? Some of you are toggling off location services right now. You ain't gonna catch me. <laughs> like, like I wonder if, if we're the same person inside and out, regardless of where our GPS says we are. Are you the real you, regardless of where you are? Rahab was. Now, she, she was the real, real Rahab. Like, like, she knew who she was, and God still used her right where she was. See, sometimes you have to accept who you really are to know exactly who you really need. Yeah. That's the first step, ain't it? Hmm. I have to accept and acknowledge who I really am to know who I really need. See, family, God already knows the real you regardless of which you, you share online or in the grocery store. He, he already knows. He already sees you. And he's not looking at all the stuff out here and the stuff we put, like, like he's not, he doesn't see that, right? Another book in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 16, it says that, you know, God says, hey, I, I don't see things the way you see things. People, all the way back then and all the way right now, People will judge you by your outward appearance, and that ain't never changed, and they ain't never going to change. They're going to judge you by all the stuff you post and, and all that and your outward appearance. But I, the Lord, I look at your heart. God isn't impressed. That's, that's it. That could be a sermon right there. He's not impressed 
He's not impressed by your outward appearance. He's not impressed by your properly, you know, perfectly filtered selfies or how many followers you have on Insta. He's not impressed by your exaggerating fishing stories, regardless of how big the fish keeps getting. <laughs> you know, like, he's not impressed. He, he's just waiting for, for us to be honest with ourselves and honest with him. Rahab's reputation didn't limit what God would do through Rahab because he saw her heart. A heart that was courageous enough to step out in faith and step into a new reality. This is what Christ is, is inviting each of us to do. To step out in faith. To be courageous. To not worry about your reputation. It's like, we're just so worried about what other people think so much. And, and what, what, what are we building? Which reputation are we building? And that's where we try to find our identity. And God's like, would you stop that and find your identity in me? Not, not your identity in a label or not your identity in culture. or what, you know, how, how do you, like, just, just stop that. Like, find your identity in me, the one who created you in the womb, the one who made you with a purpose, the one who died for you, the one who sees you, the one who will never leave you. He wants you to stop worrying about your reputation and what those Karens and Carls are saying about you online. Who cares? Stop reading the comments. Stop worrying about what those millennials are saying, you know, the, the same millennials that are living in the basement with their mommy and daddy, right? They're, they're filled with conspiracy theories they're, and filled with all these, like, the end is near. Filled with all this, I know better. Like, like, who cares? Let them, like, keep all that crazy on lockdown. They've got that. Focus on you. Focus on the cr new reality that Christ is trying to invite you into. Note takers, here's the deal. Get your thumbs and pens ready. God is inviting you into a new reality to ditch your old reputation and to build a new reality you have to wrap. R-A-P. Who's with me? Come on. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow because opportunity comes once in a... Not that type of rap. I'm really mad at you, Sam. I thought you were going to drop the beat on me. You know, like, you got to lose yourself in the moment you own it. You better never... So, listen, anyway, that, that, not that type of rap. You don't, you can't say keep going. <laughs> so double dog, you can't do that either. My wife's right here. She's, she's trying to keep me in good. Like I'm trying to be good. <laughs> I can't. There's a different type of rap that is actually how we step into our new reputation and it's building a new rap sheet. You do realize that you have a rap sheet. Every single one of us has a rap sheet. <laughs> I got a rap sheet. Where, where are all my honest people in the room? I see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honest people in the room. Got some rap sheets? Yeah? Honest people, truth tellers? No shame, right? 2005, misuse of credit card, DUI, passing bad tracks. I got no shame in my game because my past does not define me. Because of Christ, your past reputation does not control your present or future reality. The enemy, or anyone for that matter, who is trying to use my past to discourage me or discourage you is like trying to rob a house that I lived in 17 years ago. I don't live there anymore, boo-boo. That ain't my stuff. 
I've got a past, you've got a past, we've all got a past, we've all got a rap sheet. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm offering you a new rap sheet. I'm going to let you build something new, right? And your rap sheet may look different than mine, right? Your rap sheet may not have misuse of credit card. It may not have prostitution like, like Rahab's. It may have like things like lied to third grade teacher, Mrs. Shanahan. Right? I don't know. Sorry, Mrs. Shanahan, if you're watching. That, that actually was my third grade teacher. Hi. Like, what's on your rap sheet? Like, like cheated on the bar exam. I don't, I don't know. Cheated on your third grade history tests. Cheated on your spouse. Skipped school. Stayed out too late. Stole a candy bar. Stole a car. Uh, said you were studying geometry when really you were exploring human anatomy in the backseat of an Impala while studying the chemical properties of cannabis. <laughs> Some of you are like, wait, that's on my rap sheet? <laughs> but that's from the earth. God put that there. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. We've all got a rap sheet, y'all. But they're, you know, and, and like some of them are thicker than others, but, but Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to trade in that old rap sheet for a new one. A new one that is rooted in me. A, a, a new rap sheet, a new reality of who you are and where your identity and your future is found in Christ. And, and you do that by, by RAP, re repetition, accountability, and perseverance. You want to build a new reality? Then these are the three things to get you there. These are the three steps into the water. Repetition. You don't build a reality by, by what you occasionally do. I follow Jesus. Oh, really? For like an hour a week? That's funny. Tell me more about all the other hours of the week that you kind of don't look like you're following Jesus. You don't build a reputation by something you occasionally do, but by continually striving to do and be and say the next right thing, the next God thing, over and over and over and over and over again, repetition, regardless of the internal or external circumstances. You keep using God's word and God's way as your way, over and over and over again, regardless of the situation. Joshua 1, 8, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Repetition in God's word will help you build a new reality rooted in God's ways. Accountability. If you want to build a new reality in God's ways, you need to invite other godly men and women into your life to hold you accountable to what you set out to do. You cannot do this alone. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. 
Ecclesiastes 4.12 is not from weddings, but I love you if you had it at your wedding. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Do you have two or three men and women in your life that are holding you accountable Accountability is the healthy marriage of encouragement and discipline that keeps you focused on what your new reality is. Repetition, accountability, perseverance. I don't know if everything I say you should remember. I pray that God helps you forget the things you're supposed to forget. But this one you need to remember. (laughs) For a new reality to become your reality, it will require perseverance. When you are setting out to make healthy, godly changes in your life, I promise you with everything I have that the enemy, mother nature, and your mother-in-law are going to throw everything at you and try to destroy you and stop you. Okay? And you have got to endure. You have got to persevere. You've got to keep on pushing through. And that's why you need other people around you to encourage you and hold you accountable and say you can get through this. That's why you need God's word as your anchor and your truth. Romans 5, 4 says trials, they produce perseverance. So guess what? I'm going to consider it pure joy, right? That's what James says later. I'm going to consider it joy when I have the opportunity to go through trials because then Paul says trials produce perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces Hope and hope does not disappoint. It does not hope. Man, hope is, if hope is that thing that I can still keep doing this, even though the world around me says I can't, hope says I can. God's word and God's people will produce God's power to help you persevere, to build a new reality and to step into the more that God is inviting you into. It will require these three things. Repetition, accountability, and perseverance. And see, what's crazy to bring this back to Rahab, because y'all were like, how do you get that far off of Rahab? (sighs) Lori, I heard you. All right. (laughs) When you do that, you're going to realize something. (laughs) When you do that, you're going to realize something that Rahab realized. That there is nothing you can do to disqualify you or dissuade God from using you for his glory and for his kingdom advancement. You will walk in peace and grace and not worry and anxiety. You'll stop trying to prove yourself. You'll walk in freedom. It's the reality that Rahab knew. It's what she figured out. I was talking to our friend Andrea. Uh, she uh, she's got some things to say about. She's got a reputation. I'll say it that way. She's got a reputation for doing some incredible work in Price Hill through Weightless Anchor, bringing hope to women trying to survive on the streets. And I said to her, "Hey, I'm talking about Rahab this weekend, and and I know you hate the word prostitute, and she does because it's a label of oppression." that is placed on real people with real stories. And so I said to her, like, I'm talking about Rahab, and I know you hate the word prostitute, so what word would you use 
right? And, and she said, well, you know, if, if I know the person that we're talking about, well, then they're just my friend. So I call them my friend. I don't slap a label on them. That's just my friend who's out there and they're struggling. That's my friend. Hmm. But she said, you know, if I don't know them, then I'm just like, well, well, you know, I, I just say that's, a, you know, they're a sex worker. And I thought that was kind of curious, right? Like a steel worker, a construction worker, a sex worker. Like, oh, okay. That makes sense. That's their trade. So it's a tra trade, there's a trade craft. And, yeah, okay, sex worker. Okay, so, so, so our friend Rahab, the sex worker, has a reputation. She's been living in a way that is not holy or healthy, right? But God, everybody say, but God. But God steps in and invites Rahab into a new reality and uses our courageous, lying friend, the sex worker, to help his mission and help his people step into the more that God has promised them. Not after Rahab had been fully restored and redeemed, but in the midst of her unhealth, God uses her because God sees our heart, not just our habits. Verse 11, Rahab says this, says the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me, my goodness, this woman has, I can't say that, can I? So I'll just say she has courage. Now swear to me by the Lord, She's talking to, right, the spies, like soldiers. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me. Friends, when you lived your whole life going through some things and being treated a certain way, and being called certain things and being labeled and people using and abusing you. She's just looking for somebody to be kind to her. Maybe that's what we could be doing for those around us. Because you don't know what that other person is going through, regardless of what label you may. They just want some kindness. Rahab is the epitome of strength, the epitome of strong and courageous. She goes down in history, in like the hall of faith in our Bible. In Hebrews, there's a hall of faith, right? The heroes of our faith. She's one of two women listed. Rahab, the sex worker. At the risk of death and persecution, she steps out in faith and promises to help God's people even though she's not one of God's people. And in return, she has the courage to ask God for kindness. Right? And only somebody whose heart has been trampled on has a heart that's that malleable, that tender, because it's been tenderized.
She's like, even though I'm different than you, even though you want to destroy this entire city, my city and my people, I will help you. Will you just be kind to me? I will sacrifice for you. Hello. See, our friend Rahab gets the heart of the gospel without ever hearing the gospel. And so the story goes, Rahab helps the spies. The spies agree to help Rahab and Joshua as he leads the nation of Israel to attack the city of Jericho. They honor their word and they save Rahab and her family. Joshua 6.22 says, Joshua said to the spies, keep your promise. Go to the sex worker's house and bring her out along with all of her family. And the spies, they go and they bring out Rahab and her father and mother and brother and sister and all the family and and they are now saved and they moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Don't miss this. Joshua invites her and her family into a new reality that stems back from her courage and faith stepping out even in the midst of persecution and fear. He says, hey, come here. I want you to set up camp with us now. You're a part of this community now. I'm, I'm going go, to restore your name. I'm going to restore your family. You're with us now. Rahab doesn't have to live in the shadow of her past because her new reality cast a shadow on her old reputation. The new reality that God invited Rahab into now is on full display for all of us to read about in our Bible because the next time we see her name in the book of Matthew in the New Testament, in Matthew 1, there's this whole line and list of people's names that most of you probably just skip over. Like, that's just boring. I don't want to read names, right? But you wouldn't skip over those names if you knew that that line of people is a genealogy of grace. It's literally the family tree of our King, Jesus. And when you look at Matthew 1, verse 5, it says this. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. What do you notice? Aside from the fact of some dude having the name of a fish. (laughs) Our friend is no longer listed as Rahab the prostitute. It's Rahab, the mother of Boaz. Boaz, who happens to be a guy who understands what it means to be a redeemer and to have your story redeemed because he restored and redeemed Naomi and Ruth. Ruth, who then is the great-great-great-grandma of King David, who we get the line of Jesus. See, when your mother was a sex worker whose reputation was cast in for a new reality in Christ, you have the eyes to see others in the light of grace. Do our eyes see others in the light of grace, regardless of what their reputation is? regardless of how right or not right they may be, do we see them in the light of grace? Because without Christ, not one of us is righteous. But why are we then so quick to be the ones to throw stones?
Like, we think we're right an awful lot. (laughs) And see, Jesus was the only righteous person, right, to ever truly, truly, holy, righteous person to walk the earth. He was the only person who actually had the authority to throw stones, right, to condemn. And it's funny that the only person who could throw a stone instead threw himself on a cross. For every single person in the world. Every single person. You know the person that you, you know, like condemn on Facebook because of the choices they made? Yeah, he hung on a cross for them. Those people, and I've got those people. I'm, I, am, I am getting so tore up and convicted on this. I've got those people. You've got those people. Those people, right, who make those choices. You know, he died for them and invites them into a new reality in him. So why are we throwing stones at them? Like, like shouldn't we take note? Take note and reflect on our posture towards others like like when the one the one who we claim to follow has a family tree that is filled with adulterers and prostitutes and sinners and people with all sorts of bad reputations like of all the family trees that Jesus could be a part of was this a coincidence no it's not Jesus takes bad reputations and turns them into beautiful realities and if Jesus's family tree is filled with people who are marginalized and oppressed and Jesus spent then his earthly life redeeming those who were marginalized and oppressed, then shouldn't we be spending our time building relationships and helping redeem people who are marginalized and oppressed? See, maybe the bad reputation that we need to ask Jesus to address isn't for all those people, but for our hearts. Our Hour. I'm in the hour. This has been tearing me up. There's an ugly truth that broke my heart when I read it. This is the first time in American history since 1776. This is the first time in U.S. history that less than 50% of Americans attend a church of any kind, any kind. Now, I wonder why that is. I mean, I I don't have all the answers, but I wonder why that is. I wonder why people aren't really seeing the church as relevant. I wonder why they're not seeing church as something that is attractive. I wonder why they're seeing the church as something that isn't for them. I wonder why they're seeing, like, I wonder if one of the reasons is because nowadays Christians are normally known for what they're against instead of being known for how much they love and how much they show grace, compassion, mercy. Jesus said this, he said, um, it is by your love for one another that you will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's by how you'll love people that you'll prove to the world that you're a part of something that they would want to be a part of too. It's, It's by your love 
that you'll prove to the world. And he said that right before being taken off to go to the cross. The ultimate demonstration of love. A sacrificial love that Rahab showed. Sacrificial love is what Joshua offered, inviting her into a new reality. Love is at the heart of that new reality, of the new more that you were made for. Love is what has the power to transform reputations and new realities. Love is what will heal the hurting world that we live in right now. How many more do we need to see? How many, how many more headlines do we need to see? Mass shootings, corruption, protests, riots, anti this, pro that. There is so much pain in our community, so many hurting people. What if then as a community of faith, we committed to leaving behind all of our old reputations and committed to repetition, accountability, and perseverance to step into a new reality rooted in love. Committing to loving people regardless of what their stuff is. Maybe if we did that, we would actually start to see a change in the world. Maybe the revolution that is needed is a revolution of love because love is the only thing that's gonna change it. That's on us, y'all. This is on us. The church of Jesus Christ to love God and to love people. This is on us, not the government, not a court, and not any law that they can come up with because no law has ever been able to change the hearts of men and women. It didn't work in 1422. It didn't. 1422 BC is when Joshua was leading the people. It didn't work in 22 AD when Jesus was leading the people. And it won't work in 2022 because law couldn't save the world. Love did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life for he did not send his son into the world to condemn it but to save it don't just memorize 316 you better keep going to 17 he did not come into the world to condemn it but to save it it is by love that the world will change When love came down, it changed everything. Love will change your reputation. And love will change your reality. So, Father, I ask that you do a mighty work in our hearts. Because what we need right now is your love. I'm asking that you continue to break my heart and you break all of our hearts, that you remove our hearts of stone and replace them with a heart of flesh that is like yours, that beats like yours and breaks like yours. That we will be agents of healing and grace and love 
rooted in your word, rooted in your ways, that all that we do will bring healing to the nations. Let it start in us before we dare ask for you to do something through us. We need you. It's in your word and in your name and in your son's name and by the work of the spirit that all God's people say, amen. Like the last few weeks, we're just gonna use this time right now to respond. I got stuff that I need to pray about. <laughs> As if you didn't already know. <laughs> I'm sure you do too. So we're going to do this together. Uh, we're going to pray together. Um, Laura's going to lead us in another song. And if you would like to pray, you can pray right where you are if you want someone to pray with you. We're going to have people down here that'll do that. My prayer team, come on down so people can see your smiling faces. If you would like someone to pray with you, come on down. If you need to take a step of faith, a step of, man, I just need to get this off my chest. I invite you to come down during this next song. I don't know what your next step is, but friends, we all got a next step. There ain't nobody in here that doesn't have a next step. And the person who's sitting there thinking, I don't got a next step, I'm talking to you. Your best friend, your, your partner, your spouse, they'd really like you to actually take a next step. We're here to help you. We're here to pray with you. We're here to take that next step with you.